0: good morning everyone we're going to uh open in prayer here and and get started um i have to apologize for the way that the camera is being the up and down i know i don't know about anybody else that drives me insane when somebody takes video up and down instead of sideways especially if you ever want to do anything with it and and uh uh edit it or anything else. It just drives me insane. So I apologize for that, but um, for some reason my, my phone when I when I go on Facebook and turn it sideways it, it just is distorted. So so you get to see the whole me today. You get to see that I don't wear saw so- or that I don't wear shoes when I preach. And uh, by the way that's not something new since COVID nineteen. That has been something that has been the case Um, for years, uh, the Lord had told me to take my shoes off, um, because of what, what he would have me declare. But, uh, even when oftentimes when I was in Nigeria, I would take them off, which was interesting when you're in the dirt. (laughs) Although the toughest times are when it's the winter and you're outside, but, but, uh, nevertheless, the Lord does it. Let's open in prayer and, uh, we'll begin this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are a God who loves us so desperately you would send your only son, your only son to become a man, to live on this earth a perfect, sinless life, only to offer that life on the cross for us. Not to be defeated there because death could not hold him. He rose from the grave by the power of your Holy Spirit three days later. And he not only had the veil torn between you and us, but he literally bridged the gap. That we could have relationship with you. That we could come before you. That we could just spend time in that relationship. And I know there are many that don't even understand that word. That's okay. Because you're teaching that word. You will show what that word means because you demand a bride that doesn't just say that they love you but that puts actions behind those words we worship you this morning Lord I I can't help but think of the words that we sang here in one of the songs. Just trying us by fire. Wow, what a difficult, difficult thing to pray and to worship to. And yet, this is the very thing that Ignition has been begging and pleading you for for years. Try us. Try us by the purity of your fire. that we be exposed and come out as pure gold. or That is our desire. It's been our desire. Nothing has changed about our desire. We love you. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you every piece of me to do what you want. Father, I am your son's purchase. Let me make this clear. My life, my heart was purchased by your son Jesus Christ and none other. My voice is his and none other. He speaks of you and none other. So Father, have your way. Do your will. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, Amen. I'll tell you what drives me nuts, and just this this whole COVID nineteen, the whole sequestration is that a word? <laughs> sequestration? I don't know. This whole being apart thing drives me nuts you know I know we get to see each other and and video conference and 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 obviously we're all together today right now and and I'm of course talking about ignition but man I miss you guys I miss you so much and the Lord knows I mean we all cry out to him this is a tough time being apart it's awesome to at least be with a few people Right, And I know that hopefully everybody out there is with some. But we all miss being together. I miss worshiping together. But we're at a time that we have literally asked for as Ignition. We've asked him to purify his bride. We have asked him to follow through on the very things that he promised in Revelation 3.9. We have asked him for this. Will we stay faithful through this testing? Wow, that's that's a tough thought. It's a tough thought to to walk into turmoil and to walk into difficult things and be literally tested on what has come out of your mouth. Make no mistake, what comes out of your mouth, you will be held accountable for. And I know that. I know that as much as anybody. I know things have been posted against me with with my mouth saying different things. Don't you think I know that? Don't you think I press into the Lord that puts those very words in my mouth? I do. I place my hands open. Accept full responsibility And accountability for what I say. Because the Lord knows my heart. He knows what I have given Him. He knows the tool that He wants to use through me. It's not my own choice. My own choice would probably be an easier path. But it's His. So I'm fully aware. And I hold myself accountable to Him and His Word. But what He's doing right now is a test. It's a test for ignition. It's a test for the remnant. It's a test for those who would believe. Are you going to hold up with everything that you have said out of your mouth when the testing has come? I want to open up by just dealing with my own reactions to some of the things that are going on in Facebook, and I know it's perhaps the elephant in the Facebook realm, <laughs> right? Do you see an elephant in the room? You're not going to get an, a reaction from me of anger, you're not going to get a reaction from me of hate because there is none. You might get an, a reaction of sorrow. But what you will hopefully always see is love. Because I love you. I love you very much. I have asked for the Lord's heart on this. Because he desperately loves you. If you can get beyond your anger. Beyond your self-righteousness beyond your hate and ask him to show you who he is he will he will as for me and as for ignition I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5 in speaking with the Lord he took me a few places and this is one of them. Verse 43 of chapter 5 says this. And I'll go on from there. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This idea of loving your enemies, I used to think about that and and think, how do you even do that? I, I I don't even know how you do that. When you ask for the Lord's heart and He gives you His heart, you begin to learn how you do that. Because when you see people as he sees people, and and by the way, that's for anybody. If you have relationship with the Lord, you can ask him, give me your heart on this. Let me see as you see. Let me see this situation, that situation, this person or that person as you see them. And he'll do it. He'll show you his heart, and when you see his heart, you will see many things. You will see a love, a desperate love for people. And in that desperate love, there is a demand for purity. There is a demand for righteousness. There is a demand for truth. And he plays that out. I was speaking with the Lord yesterday. There were a few of us, and, and the Lord said something that rocked me pretty good. He said, if they think this word of the ten days of darkness is strong, it's nothing compared to what I will Speaking to them. The only thing I will say to you in that is be careful. Be careful what you think you know. Be careful what you think you are speaking against. Because your words, they're recorded. Your words. Your reactions, everything you do is taken into account. And not by me. See me, I don't care. Not that I don't care for you, I don't care what you say about me. We are told to love your enemies. That's what I wanted to share at least at the beginning, with Ignition, because probably contrary to popular belief, we don't talk about this. We're we're sequestered anyways. We don't get together on some big, huge group chat and say, how are we going to deal with this? Why? Because we're connected anyways. Everybody who has dealt with this has dealt with it in truth and in love. I'm so proud of him for that. And we'll continue to do that. But I am going to reiterate a word. Actually, two words. I want to read from my journal. And let it resonate in your heart. You know, we talk about People have been talking about things not coming true. Let me let me tell you one that has. Even though you're absolutely incorrect on all the rest as well. But let me read you one that has. Alexis reposted this a couple of weeks ago. But it was a word that the Father, and it wasn't even spoken through me. It was spoken through somebody else. This was spoken on September 30th of last year. My realm is having major reconstruction. Areas in my court where the enemy has had little to no resistance, he will suddenly have unprecedented rivalry. A change has begun. A change that will sweep up the world in a wind of confusion. A bugle is sounding. A bugle is sounding from my bride. A war cry. Turmoil. Turmoil, turmoil. I will not rest until my bride has made a decision, until sides are taken. I will not lift the weight of my hand until this is finished. I will not cool the fire of my spirit until this is finished. Choose now, choose now, choose now. What the Father was saying back at the end of September is that I am answering the prayers of the remnant all over the world that have pressed into me and have built relationship with me. I will not wait any longer. Because, see, God demands far more than us just saying that we love Him. He demands far more than us just receiving the beautiful gift of His Son in salvation, knowing that we can do nothing to lose that. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Once we're saved, He does not then judge our salvation based on how we act. And praise God for that. Thank you for that, Father. Father. But He demands so much more in the cost of His Son. Why do you think He created us to begin with? Why? Knowing full well what He was going to go through and the heartache of people rejecting Him, of not believing Him or His Son, knowing all that full well, why do you think He created us in the first place? He gave indication to that, because in the garden, before there was a fall, there was this intense and immense and intimate relationship with Adam and Eve. It was not just that, it was also that he would be worshipped. One of the commands that he gave Adam and Eve is, go and multiply. So that more would be there to worship him. Knowing full well that many would not. That the enemy would also have a plan. Which the enemy's plans are always reactionary. See he created you and me. For fellowship with him. For relationship with him. Not just so we could spend the 50, 60, 70 years of our life believing in Him, believing in some statutes, believing in a book that is all His Word, by the way. But just believing that without taking it to heart, without recognizing Him for who He is and what His relationship demands, which is absolutely everything. You look at every person in the Word of God that God used. It cost them everything. Even the understanding of, of having to know what they wanted to know. You know, I mean, think about it. We can look at the Bible and we can look at it in our mind frame, in our time frame, and say, well, yeah, boom, 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 here, this happened, this happened. But in the reality of when it happened, you don't think there were questions? You don't think when God said to Abraham, you're going to have a son, and you're going to have the, the offspring of your line, your descendants are going to be greater than the stars? Numbering the sand in the, in the sea. Do you think even for a moment, he thought at that time, when he would be moving on, that it was going to be years, 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 years before that would come to pass. How about another one? Let's, let's go to the New Testament since so many people, so many Christians now just want to forget about the God of the Old Testament, who, by the way, is still the same God, no different. But let's set that aside a second. Let's go to the New Testament. How do you think Paul, remember Paul was so zealous. He was so zealous for his God, his Yahweh. It was not a different God. He was zealous for his God, the same God that we have now. He just did not believe in the coming or in the Messiah that came in Jesus. So he had this zeal that he was going to go fight for his God. And he was met on the road to Damascus by Jesus, the one in whom he was persecuting. And he realized what the truth was. He realized that his very zeal for something was persecuting the very thing that he loved or said he loved. Don't you think with that zeal that Paul thought, boom, I'm ready. I'm trained. Let me go out and do this. And yet it was 17 years, 17 years before he did his first major public missionary journey. Not saying he didn't do anything in the meantime. Of course he did. In fact, if you look at the evidence of what he did in the meantime, it is clarity of this relationship. He said, I know of a man, I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body, but I know of a man that went to the third heaven, that was taken to the third heaven, and was shown all these things that were too powerful for his mind. Too wonderful for him to even, even be able to process. See, that man was Paul. And before Paul could be used in the capacity that he needed to be used, he had to be tried by that fire. There's a cost to following him. There's a cost to following Yahweh. Just, just ask Jesus. It cost him everything in his life as a man. It cost him everything. Everything. Why should it be any less for us? Where is it that we can just sit around and we can take some precepts that we decide to live by, forgetting that our lives are wretched? Because they are. Every single person who has spoken out against the Lord's Word, and it is not my Word, it is the Lord's Word, recognize your own lives. Most of you I know. Most of you I know what's in your lives. Or what has been in your lives. There's a cost. And I speak this to you Ignition because I know you know this. That cost that is being paid right now. Brings a victory. That the enemy Cannot handle. Cannot handle it. When Jesus paid the ultimate price, Satan thought he had victory. And yet it was the very thing that bought Jesus the victory. was his death. Hmm. I'm going to read this word again that I gave last week. Because it is important that you know this. I need to pull it up in my journal, sorry. I'm going to read this word for word. If you want the wording on it, you can go back to my Facebook and you can pull up the wording and You can see all the comments as well underneath. But this word is true. I stand by this word because this word is not mine. It's it's not even the desire of my heart, but it is the desire of his. The Lord says, this is the first step of my judgment. The first step of my justice. Justice the first step in making my bride ready. Do not fear. Now remember the word we just read about that he will make his bride ready. That time has come that he is going to fulfill this. So these two words go perfectly together. And the other one came true. Look at the state our world is in right now. How how do you explain that that could have been known what, seven months or whatever it was, eight months before. Because we're really smart? No. Because it's God who is doing it. He knows the end from the beginning. You have been entrenched in deception, for you think that this virus is crippling. And by the way, this word is going out to his bride. This word is going out to those who know Him as Savior, know Jesus Christ as Savior. You have been entrenched, my bride, you have been entrenched in deception. For you think that the virus is crippling, but it is your own reaction that has crippled you. Still, I will show you the crippling effect of my hand. I will bring to this entire world ten days of darkness. During this time, man will want to die, but cannot by what I sinned. Man may choose to die, but it will be not, it will not be of me, but by his own hand. I am setting a new plumb line, laying the foundation to a city built by my hands for my bride Be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for I am with you always. For those who do not know me, my arms are outstretched and waiting to receive you into my love. For those who oppose me, woe to you, for terror, terror, terror is at your doorstep. I am love, And those who love me will receive my love. But those who live for themselves and serve other gods will be raw meat for the lion. Turn to me and I will be your comfort. And I will show you great and mighty things. And then the Lord had me put in parentheses. The Lord has told me that this ten days of darkness is a literal ten days along with literal darkness. And we'll begin tomorrow, Monday the 13th. This is what I spoke last Sunday. This is the word that was released last Sunday. This word is true. Me, like everybody else in Ignition, had an expectation of his word that that 10 days of darkness would begin on Monday. I had that same expectation. But that's not what he said. He didn't say it wouldn't. He didn't say it would. He said that it would begin. All I can tell you is his words are true. All I can tell you is that his process began on Monday. This past Monday, the 13th. And it's up to you to believe it or not. I would just caution you. uh, if, If you don't believe it, that's fine. But just be careful what you say. Because your words will be held to your account. If it never comes... I mean he told us it would be within the first woe, well, which is by july thirty first. If it never comes, then you have nothing to worry about. You can call me a liar all you want to. I will go before the Lord and ask him and ask him what happened. How did I somehow get this wrong because he is not a liar? But when it comes, you will remember the words that you have proclaimed. You will remember the words that you have put out there for everybody else to see. I don't wish that upon you. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. So I ask you, I ask you just to remember one thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when it comes, because it will come. And when it comes your mind will be flooded with all that you have said. And for those who don't know if they should believe or not, I say the same thing. Just don't be afraid. Fear is the gateway. Fear is the opening that the enemy will use to destroy. Don't give him that opening. Every promise that the Lord has made is good and true. He promises no matter what, he will not leave you nor forsake you. How do you think Daniel felt walking into the lion's den? Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking into the fiery furnace? See, I I think that's even tougher because from a lion, maybe I would have a chance. David seemed to. Against fire? No, I mean the guards that stoked the fire without even being in the furnace died. So, how do you think they felt walking into that? They simply said, Your will be done. Your will be done, Lord. We will not change in whom we believe. So, hold on to those promises. And I'm not going to stick on this any longer. I I wanted to encourage you because when it does happen, there will be a reaction and a temptation to fear, and fear greatly, especially for those who have spoken. And I just want to encourage you, don't allow fear in. Don't allow fear in. Withhold the 10 days and trust Him. No matter how much temptation there is to fear, don't let the fear in. I want to, I want to switch thought processes here because I I want to speak and encourage the remnant. I want to speak and encourage ignition because God is doing this for a reason. God is doing this not just because, okay, it's time to give people their due. right? That's not what he's doing. Remember his goal. His goal is to get us back to the place of relationship that he had at the beginning before the fall of man. So his goal in doing that is to work a mindset, not just in one or two people, but to work a mindset in his bride that we are to be fully given to Him and fully devoted for Him. So that's, that's what He's doing. He's systematically doing this. Right now, He is drawing a line in the sand for the bride. And He's saying, I am forcing you to make a choice. I am forcing you to make a choice of believing in what He says, not just some of the precepts that we pull out, not just believing in salvation, but believing in the entire thing. Everything in the Word of God points toward relationship with Him. Just as His Word is living and breathing, our relationship with Him is to be living and breathing, not performed by some precepts that we read, that are good, by the way, the good precepts. But if that's all you're living by, then it's so easy to get snared by the things that the enemy tries to do. Jesus wants relationship. That is what he's doing with his bride right now. He is readying his bride to make her ready to take her home. If you don't believe me, right last, last September, uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to pull up a, a, a podcast. I think it was September 29th. I think something like that, but it was it was called the time of the Gentiles, the three phases, and it was about the three woes in Revelation and how we're in a foreshadowing. And And by the way, at the time, I did think we had already gone through the first woe. And to those who pointed that out, you know what, do your homework. I didn't say the Lord said we are already through the first woe. I can have my own interpretation of things. I can have my own understanding of things. Do, do you not think that the same people in the Bible did the very same thing? Or do you think, well, well no, Abraham was called, and, and he was the father of, of, of the Lord's chosen nation, so he just immediately understood everything. Well, if he did, he didn't tell his wife. Because she laughed. No, we can have our own, our own walk with understanding what he's saying. And at the time, it made sense to me. And I won't even say why, but evidence that I, I knew at the time that, that, well, perhaps we've been through this first woe. Well, the Lord showed me later, obviously, that we had not and that it was coming. He didn't show me after the fact, by the way. He showed me three months before the fact. But God is setting a stage. He's setting a stage to make His bride ready, to fulfill Revelation 3, 9, where the world will pay homage to the bride. Literally honor and respect the bride in such a way because they recognize that the Father, Yahweh, Loves them. Read it. If you don't believe me, read it. Ignition knows it. The remnant knows it. Because he's been speaking of this. So he is readying his bride. He is setting the stage in this country. And this is something new for you guys. This is something I want to put together for you. I don't mean new like the Lord hasn't told you this. Because he has. I'm just saying I, I don't... I don't recall ever preaching this before. Maybe I have. I don't know. God is setting a stage here in America. And it hit me so hard as to why. Because, see, I I can't even remember who said this. And when it said, it just rocked me when I heard this. But it was, Israel is God's chosen people. That's never changed. It never will change. Every promise that He gave to Israel, He will fulfill. But this foreshadowing, the readying of the bride, the mystery literally that Paul talks about in Ephesians, this mystery of the bride is what the Lord is doing because we chose Him. Let me explain that. Do you know the United States is the only country in history that I know of? Certainly recent history. But the only country that I know of, that in the foundations of the country, in their literal declarations of the foundations of what that country is for, is one nation under God, under Yahweh. Not under a God, under the God. The United States is the only nation that has proclaimed that. So Israel is God's chosen people. But God is America's chosen God. We were founded on that. We were founded on that. So it is coming to a place now where God will take His land back. He's trying to wake up the bride because the bride is going to have the opportunity, literally, to be a part of that. See, this war that has been waged against the enemy has been won in so many different levels. That that word that we talked about before, the first word that I read back September 30th, was what we didn't even know at the time, we understood the courts. we understood court of accusation, personal courts and, and whatever. You want to agree with that? Don't agree with that. It doesn't matter to me. We know what it is. We were taken there. We understand. We see it in his word. He has proved it out. And on September 30th, he declared the enemy has no idea what's coming at him. No idea. And it's not because ignition was coming at him. It's because Jesus was coming at him. It was time. It was time for that nation that had been set up in its foundations to worship him and to give everything to him and their paths to him. It was time to take it back. Because see, Satan had taken it at the beginning Right from the forefathers. And today is, is an, a, it's just an amazing anniversary day. Today is, I believe, if I'm correct, it's the, it's the anniversary of the shot heard around the world. Right? It was the, the, the shot that literally began the Revolutionary War. And what, what's funny is that shot was an accidental shot. It wasn't a shot of warfare. I mean, certainly in their heart it might have been. But it wasn't an attack by England or an attack by what would be the United States. But see, then Satan came in and he took this country and systematically he has dismantled the very thing, the very declarations that we have had for God. In God we trust. One nation... Under God. And yet we have fallen so far from His precepts, so far from His closeness. And it's time that He takes it back. He began this process with somebody who doesn't even display a walk with the Lord in Donald Trump. He's been referred to as a modern-day Cyrus and everything else, and Cyrus had the same thing. He is anointed. Donald Trump is. I don't know if he knows the Lord as his Savior or not, but he will. I, I think he probably does, but he will more than that. His life will be fully dedicated to it because he will see truth. He fights past The junk. Ignition. Fight past the junk. I may be taking the hits now, but you know what? Tomorrow it will be you. Bride, it will be you. Fight past it. It's, it's. I won't, I won't say that. I don't want to demean it. Fight past it. Because you will be neck deep in it. It has to go that way because we're fighting for something very special. We're fighting for the country that was once dedicated to the Lord, for Him to come and take it back. Well, in those courts, back again, September 30th, God said, literally to Satan, you have no idea what's coming at you. You have full reign in the court system. Right, He had full reign in the Court of Nations. There was nothing coming against Him in the Court of Nations. I don't know why. I don't have an answer to that. This is just what the Father said. And systematically, that's when He began to introduce to His bride the Court of Nations. And what it means to have a declaration in the Court of Nations. Systematically, He went through and He cut the heads off in these seven areas of the world, but then he concentrated on America. America has had the top influential spirits, if you will, without explaining further about that, taken away. Does it mean that there's no more negative or or satanic influence here? Well, open your eyes. No, of course not. In fact, it has brought this, this warfare even hotter. Because now the organization on the other side doesn't have the overall organization to move it forward in a single place. So it's just fighting, it's just shooting, it's just swinging anywhere it can. That's what brings on chaos. And yet the Lord told us back in September this was coming. And what was going to be dismantled in the United States will be rebuilt in him. I am telling you, it will not end here. It will not end with the defeat of Donald Trump in November. He will be reelected. No matter what it looks like. It may look like he won't at 11 o'clock at night. In that November? I don't think so. I think it's going to be the biggest landslide this nation's ever seen. Why? Because there's a remnant of people in this country that have said, Lord, no more. No more. We will do things your way. This is your country. It was declared that way from the very beginning. So use us how you want to use us to bring it back to what you want it to do. Why? Because he wants to do it for the world. And he needs one nation to lead that. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And I want to encourage you in something when you step into a new land. Because we are now at the point where we're going to be taking land. I'm not going to take the time to explain that because if you are the remnant, remnant, you have ears to hear, you know what I mean when I say that. We are taking, it is the time to take land in this United States. And I want to read to you the very encouragement that was given by Yahweh, by the Father to Joshua as he was ready to do the same thing. Joshua chapter 1. After the death, in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your, your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now, they weren't there yet. Right? It wasn't theirs. But he already said it's been given to you. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, and this applies right here, right now, in this United States for the remnant of the bride, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Does this sound familiar to you? Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Why do you think it doesn't matter to us what people say? It only matters to us what God says. You go. How do you think Joshua took that? I mean, right after this, they sent the spies into the land again, right? So obviously on his mind was this idea of warfare. They knew that this land was inhabited by those who were against Yahweh, who did not believe in the promises for Israel. So Joshua knew that it was a fight before him. He knew there was a fight coming. He trusted the Lord in two things. Lord said be strong and courageous. He trusted him in that. And he trusted in him that he would always be with him. That he would always lead him that the Lord literally would do the battling for him. We're not going to go into it, but I want to encourage you. Get into the book of Joshua. They go across. They sanctify themselves before the Lord. They go across to Jericho. They didn't draw their swords and start developing battering rams to knock down the walls. No, they were just obedient. Lord said, do this. It's going to sound a little crazy, but do this. Do it every day for seven days. Then on the seventh day, do it seven times. And then at the end of that seven time, I'll tell you when, at the end of that seven time, you shout. You shout literal victory because the Lord has done it. Okay, do you think that all of the sudden, when they shouted, the war was over? No, it wasn't. It was proclaimed. It was declared. They had to step by faith, walk into the walls that came down, and claim their territory, claim their prize. That's what they did. That's what he's having us do right now. We're either going to believe him or we don't. I praise God for one that we believe. But be strong and courageous, because the testing will be difficult. But the prize is a country. The prize is a country that was dedicated in the first place to the Lord. A country being brought back to the original precepts and declarations that was made over it at the very beginning. God has told us so many times that he's bringing this country back to what the founding fathers, the original ones, what William Penn originally had designed and had laid before the altar of the Father. He's doing it. And he's doing it for a much bigger purpose. He's doing it literally to raise the bride up globally So that the world sees, sees. See, that's an important thing to understand. The world will physically see the favor that God has on His bride. And when that is complete, when the time has come, when, when the favor has been, has been seen enough, Second Corinthians 15, you will hear the last trumpet. You will hear that last trumpet, trumpet, and in the twinkling of an eye, we will be with him. It's what's called the rapture. Why would he come and take a bride that isn't ready? Why would he come and take a bride that doesn't even like each other? You know, the most disappointing thing about all of this is that there's no love shown in it. There's no love shown in these words. They may say, you know, you could say, I love you. And it's very different to show I love you. But he is doing this. He is readying his bride. Why? Because he deserves it. He deserves a bride that would give him relationship. The very thing that he sent his son to die for. i got news for you. If you think he sent his son to die just so you could have a golden ticket to heaven, you are sorely mistaken. That is his grace. And praise God that he shed his grace on us. That by his grace we can be saved by believing in his son but recognize the Father's intention is way more than that. Way more. He never intended for his bride to just accept his son and never give him relationship. Real, living, breathing relationship. Just like his word. That's his intention. That's what he's doing. He will do it in this, com- in this country. I declare it to you right now. This country, we already know, is not going to look the same. You think it's because of the coronavirus. It's not. It won't be about social distancing. Wow, what a, what a, what a thing from Satan. Yeah, let's separate them. <laughs> let's keep them apart. Separate and isolate. That's what he does. He's really good at it. That's not why this, this country or this world for that matter is changing. It's changing because the bride that has ears to hear and has eyes to see recognize what God wants. He wants relationship. In that relationship, you have no choice but to give him your mouth. You have no choice but to give him your feet, give him your hands. See, I had no choice. I had no choice in giving him every part of me because it's required to do that in relationship. And he is doing it in this country because where the U.S. goes, so goes the world. And you could take it to the bank. Revelation 3 verse 9 is coming. And it won't be decades and it won't be generations. It will be a few years. But what we will go through in those few years is going to be very difficult. Do you know how hard it is to change a mind? Do you know how hard it is for God, who will not insert his godliness into your choice? Do you understand that? He will not force a choice on you. So when we all have choice, and I'm talking about his bride, I'm talking about those who are saved. When we all have choice, do you know how hard it is for a father who wants the best bride for his son to not insert his own choice? So what do you do? Well, there comes a point where you take those who are willing. We're at that point in history right now. He will begin with those who are willing. Others will come on board. Many will be saved. He has told me the very passion behind this movement will come from those who were once dedicated to Satan. What an insane thought. You know, I, I get such a kick out of what, what people say against us, and they don't know us at all. You know, I mean, if you, if you really think, if you really think we are listening to a false spirit, if you really think we are following a false god or somehow following Satan, that blows me away. How, how do you account for the things that Satan would not do against himself? It boggles my mind. We have seen over 10,000 people saved in the last few years. This little church of 50 people. Okay, I know some of you think numbers are important. Not some of you here. (laughs) Some of you online. So there's a number for you. Would Satan literally do that to himself? No, I don't think so. Would Satan encourage nine people To give up everything in their life. Two of the couples, one sitting right here, selling their house, selling everything they own to move to a country that they knew nothing about. To fall in love with a people that they knew nothing about. Would he take those nine people and make them do that? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Wow, Satan's really stupid. He's really stupid if that's the case. Right? Doesn't make sense. There are so many things that don't make sense. And I'm just asking you, evaluate for your own sake. Because it doesn't hurt us either way. But know what God is doing in this country. This country will never be the same. Because the process has begun. This first woe is just the first part of the process. These ten days that are coming, they are real. They are literal. They will be terrorizing to those who do not trust him. To those who trust him, they will not be. I don't even know what that looks like. I've asked him. Trust me, we've asked him. Well, will we have light? And they won't. I don't know. He doesn't answer it. Why? Because he needs our faith. He needs us to trust him that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I'm just thinking, well, one, one of two things will happen. Either I'm going to be so incredibly busy those ten days because of all the opportunity that God's going to give me, or I'm going to get a lot of sleep. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't mean to belittle that, but understand, understand that it's coming no matter what. It is coming. Trust him through it. Don't be afraid. Trust him through it. Because he wants to change this country. Because he wants to change the world. He wants a ready bride that would literally go off the precepts that this country was started on. Alexis, come on up.
1: let's just pray father god thank you so much for your word for your love god thank you for the power of your holy spirit and thank you god that you are truth and when we seek you with all of our heart you will be found and so god i just thank you that you meet us at the point of our need that you love us so dearly and God, I just pray for a trust and a faith. God, a faith in the person of who you are, Lord Jesus. That when we know you, we know that we can trust you to keep that which we have committed unto you. Against that day, in 2 Timothy 1.12, God, that as we trust you, you keep us on the path. You can be trusted as we seek you to not be deceived, as we seek you for truth, to not look to the right or to the left, but to seek you and your heart. You will keep us. If we trust into you, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, with all of our heart, and don't lean on our own understanding, whether that be our upbringing, tradition, but just trust you and the purity of your words. That you will direct our path. But only when we don't lean on our own understanding. And we just trust. In the promise of the Holy Spirit. That you said in the Gospel of John. Is guiding us into all truth. How can he guide us. If he doesn't speak to us. A guide speaks. So I thank you for that Lord. I thank you for that. God help us to just seek you. More than anything else. And I pray all of these things Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.